We'll praise the Lord and welcome to our Wednesday evening service, or in this case, our Bible study. We're going to continue on the believer's warfare in the book of Ephesians. Um, and I hope that, that you're getting something out of this study. Now, this is different than when we, when we uh, preach a sermon. Of course, this is a study, and we're walking through a journey through the book of Ephesians. We left off um, talking about uh, the weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, 2 Corinthians 10 and 4. So I'm not going to really do an introduction. I am going to pray and ask the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we invite you to join us on this broadcast today for the um, blessing of this journey through the book of Ephesians. We ask that you would give us understanding and knowledge to the Holy Spirit, that it would it would get through to our hearts and, and that we would understand what it means to put on the armor of God and to fight uh, the wells of the devil. We just ask that you be with us and guide us and direct us through this study. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now, Paul here introduces the last segment of this letter with a time frame in mind. That, that time frame probably began with the peace being made between Jews and Gentiles. This peace is directly responsible uh, to the cross and to the resurrection and the revelation of God's secret with his, with, uh, in his church. And I want you to take note here, a study of Matthew 13, we, I'd ask you to study that. Um, and read Matthew 13, this outlines the kingdom parables, if you will, the kingdom parables. And it's beneficial for understanding the, the uh, mystery age of the church. The time will be terminated when the bridegroom comes for his bride, the bridegroom being Jesus Christ and the bride being the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the body of Christ. I'm still a little hoarse. Forgive me if I take a pause now and then to get a drink of water to kind of wet my whistle there. Okay, so um, he comes for the bride and also for the judgment, which will follow shortly thereafter, that, uh, that marriage in heaven. And finally, it creates for the Christian a sense of preparation, if you will, for something that is a future event, to be to live a life as as Christ-like as possible, that you would be included in that marriage of the Lamb. The Bible says, "Be strong in the Lord," and it's a general principle for for good Christian living. <clears throat> the principle that is established is that mankind must lean on God. To obtain God's power. You must lean on God to obtain God's power. The own, uh, we own the moral guidelines that mankind may establish for themselves or the mental disciplines that we may use to keep ourselves from sin. One day we'll fail. And the reason for the failure is that the dependence can never rest on flesh alone. 
So the Bible tells us, be strong in the Lord. Say that with me. Be strong in the Lord. In the Lord. In power of his might. Ephesians emphasizes over and over and over again that the true believer is in Christ. Is in Christ. Or that, that, that we are all one with Christ, if you will. So what happens to the to the person who becomes one with Christ. Let the word of God answer such a question. Let's let that, ha that happen. In Philippians 4.13, and please write these down so you can check what I'm talking about. Philippians 4.13, that's why I always repeat them to you. I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. Glory to God, what a scripture. I can do all things. Say it with me, read it with me. I can do all things through Christ which strengthened me. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14, for as much then as the children are partakers of the flesh and blood, they also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Oh, praise the Lord. My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And in Isaiah 35, verse 4, it says, Say to them that are of the fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. He will come and save you. Now, I know there's, there's listeners out there that have addiction to alcohol and addiction to drugs, have have issues with being lonely and, and having issues that that probably guide you down the wrong path. But if you allow Christ to bring someone into your life, now I'm talking about a single person, when the Lord brings you them into your life, that's the right person God chose. So God will come and save you. In Isaiah 41, verse 10, it says, Fear not, or fear thou not, depending on your the, which one you're reading. For I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will hold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. So Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2 and 10, and then 14 and 15, reminds us that when God has justified the believer, that there is no condemnation that can overtake an, a person who walks in the Spirit of God. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, gives the exhortation, to be strong, say it with me, be strong, 
2 Timothy 1 and 8 reminds us of the power of a sound, sound mind. God does his part, therefore I must do my part. So God is doing his part in your life, or is he, he's, he's laying down a way you can walk, a pathway, if you will. And you have to choose, are you going to go to the, to the right? Are you going to go to the left? Are you going to go down the center? You have to choose through prayer the direction the Holy Spirit calls you to go. So, in verse uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, reminds us of the power of a sound, sound mind. So God does his part. When he supplies the power, it is the responsibility of the believer to remain within the confines of the Holy Spirit of God. The power of God involves two things. Our strength comes from the Lord. Amen. Our strength comes from the Lord. The Christian has a responsibility of putting on the armor. God provides the armor, but we must put it on. So what is it saying to you and I? It's telling us God is there. Christ died on the cross. He was resurrected from the dead. And we're told to repent and be baptized in immersion for the remission of our sins. Receive the Holy Ghost. Study the word to become strong. So the Christian has that responsibility of understanding the word of God. And using the tools God has given us through the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 through 22, Paul affirms that the power of God has been extended to us. Yet this power is not just any power. It is the power that has exceeded greatness, the Bible says. It is mighty power. And this power is far above any power that has ever been reckoned with upon this planet. This in, in, uh, incomparable power was demonstrated in Colossians chapter 1, verse 10 and 11, that ye might walk, read it again, Colossians 1, 10 and 11, that ye may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. It tells us we must constantly study in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. This is increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, and to all patience and long suffering with joylessness. Joyfulness, excuse me. Joyfulness. So the exhortations to be strong, to be strong, are in many scriptures. First Kings chapter 2, 2. 2 Chronicles 15 7, Isaiah 35 and 4, Hagar 2 and 4, Ezekiel 8 and 9, 1 Corinthians 16 13, and Ephesians 6 and 10, and then again in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. So these are the things that, that um, tell us to be strong. Now, the characteristics of spiritual power is given us. It gives all mankind courage um, to rebuke sin. Courage to rebuke sin in Micah uh, 3 and 8. 
But truly I am full of power by the Spirit of the Lord, and of judgment and of might, to declare unto Jacob his transgressions, and to Israel his sin. So we need to understand first that that there is there's mightier forces out there than just physical force. That there are mighty supernatural power given by God that are greater than physical forces. Uh, Zechariah 4 and 6. Then he answered and he spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto uh, Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. So it's a supernatural spiritual power that God wields on your behalf. It's mightier than the physical forces. And Jesus was our supreme example of that in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Jesus Christ returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out out a fame of him through all the region around about. Why? Because of the healings. Because of the great works that Christ did. And all of this comes down to that where 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 we it, it accompanies uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. So we get we get baptized by water, we get baptized in the Spirit, we get baptized uh, by fire. Um, so all of this accompanies the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter one, verse eight, we we learn in Acts one and eight. Acts one. Verse 8, but ye shall receive power. Are we talking about strength and body? No, we're talking about the supernatural power of Almighty God through the Holy Spirit's anointing upon each and every one of us. And the gifts of the Spirit operating in the Spirit. Glory to God. But ye shall receive this power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. And wherever you're listening to the sound of my voice is the uttermost part of this earth. Praise God. And when you enlist as a, as a part of this broadcast and become a prayer warrior, a prayer partner, uh, a shepherd of prayer, whatever you want to call it, and you beginning talking, begin to talk to people about the broadcast and, and how to find Jesus and, and, and try to help them come to the Lord through salvation. That's what you're doing. You're a witness for God. Even if you just say, well, you know what? I, I'm, I'm homebound. I pray for the lost. I have a prayer list and I pray every morning, every night. I pray midday. I pray for the salvation of the lost, the healing of the sick financial, whatever it may be that is that prayer person is on your list, you're becoming a witness because you're praying for them. And if they know you're praying for them, then by golly, you're being a witness for God. So all of this together enables mankind to speak, to speak with the authority of God. In Acts chapter 4, verse 33, and with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. And then that fills life with such holy influences. In Acts chapter 19, 
verse 11 and 12. And God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul, so that from his body were wrought, wrought unto the sick handkerchiefs or aprons. Now, we did this in the church. We had sent out a, 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 a I don't know what you call it, a, a, a bolt. Yes, it's a bolt. We sent out a bolt of uh, muslin. And we sent it to a friend of mine in um, Israel, and he dunked that into the Jordan River for us, brought it back. We prayed over that. We prayed over that, and we cut little crosses out of that material. And so many people said they would lay that on their hip that was hurting or on their shoulder or wherever it was, and they felt they, they received a healing from that. Was it, the, was it the, the, the material? Was it that it was dunked in the Jordan River? Or was it that people with the power of prayer prayed over it and God felt that and God transmitted the healing through the Holy Spirit upon that person's soul? Glory to God. Passed through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and now it is evident in his ability to be over every other power that it comes into contact with. When you begin to pray with that supernatural power of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the baptism of Jesus Christ and you're under the blood of Christ. Believe me, that's the supernatural power of Almighty God moving through your soul. There are certain conditions that must exist before mankind can place themselves under the umbrella of God's protection. And they are as follows. The strength of God comes directly from God. And the Christian has no power of, on their own. You have no supernatural power on your own if you're unsaved. The Christian has to pick up the armor of God and wear it. Not just know about it, but you must physically say to the Lord, I placed the, the helmet of salvation. I placed the, the breastplate upon me. The Christian must understand that he must use the, the supernatural power according to the provisions that the word of God stipulates. Another aspect of preparation for a Christian is understanding that the power is supplied by God. Colossians 1, 10 and 11. Colossians 1, 10 and 11. Emphasize this by the phrase, his glorious power. Say it with me, his glorious power. When the spirit begins to reside within you, that person has the ability to overcome the and free themselves of any dynamic influence in their lives. Yet, even with this resident power that God or that comes from the spirit, Paul still issues the following warning in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Having the facts will not be enough. The Spirit provides the additional boost um, to overcome the flesh. Every person who is tempted has a door to escape through. It may take some time to find that door. And I know there's some of you out there searching for that door right now. But it is the wise person who looks until they find it. No Christian has to fail in the fight. God's strength seems to greatest. In our own weakness, God's strength seems greatest in our own weakness. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. 
And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Then the power of Christ will rest upon you. You see, when the devil attacks, notify the commander, the commander-in-chief, or the chief of staff, or the sergeant-at-arms. They will sustain you. David said it best to the Philistine giant. The battle is the Lord's. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 47. Ezekiel reminded the, the people that the Lord was present to fight our battles in Second Chronicles chapter 32, verse 8. So let's look at the armor. The armor of God. The scripture said to us, put on the whole armor of God. Ephesians 6 and 11. Put on the whole armor of God. So let's begin today by putting on the whole armor of God. So as we look at the armor in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, Ephesians 6, 11, I hope you can follow this and write these down. I'm going to, I'm going to be giving you some that uh, are kind of in the Greek word study. And it'll be important for you to write them down. In Ephesians 6, 11, it says, put on the whole armor of God. So this is the most important thing that the Christian can do. All of you that are listening, before you're going to witness to somebody about Christ, put on the full armor of God. If the armor is not put on fully, then it will be very difficult for you to function effectively. In the Greek, the word put on is indasite, E-N-D-A-S-A-S-T-H-E, indasite. This word is rendered simply put on once and for all. The Christian can never afford to remove the armor of God for even a moment of rest. For that is when the wiles of the devil will come, those, those uh, powers of darkness and principalities. So the Christian can never afford to remove the armor. Put on the armor and keep it on until one enters the, the, the grave or the rapture occurs. I'm going to say that again. You put on the armor of God and you keep it on until you enter into the grave or the rapture occur, occurs. Each individual piece of that armor is discussed in sequent in studies that we'll be doing in the future here. First, we have to look at the enemy. Ephesians 6, 11 and 12. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, you know as well as I do, we meet people all the time. We need to be covered in the blood of Jesus and including the armor of God. Now, I'm going to give you some Greek word studies here. And you can either listen and try to write down them or, or not. But put on in Ephesians 6.11. Um, in the New International, in, in, in the Greek study, uh, 
I, I spell that out for E-N-D-A-S-A-S-T-H-E, means to put on, to enter into, get into, as into clothes. And that comes to us from Mark 1 and 6, Luke 8, 27. Mark 24, 49 in the King James, endued, E-N-D-U-E-D. Second Corinthians 5 and 3, Revelations 1, 13, 19, chapter 19 and, and verse 14 in um, the Strong's. So here we see that once we put it on, we must leave it on. Ephesians 6, 11, placing, putting on the whole armor of God. Okay. Ephesians 6 and 11 talks about being able, may be able, may be able to stand, right? Histami, histami, to stand, a prolonged form of primary state of the same meaning, and used for it in, in certain tenses, to stand transversely or, or in transicity, used in various applications, literally, to stand with the armor of God. Now, the power of God and the armor of God is given for a reason to the believer. Its purpose is stated in verse 11, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So perhaps the main thrust of this verse lies in understanding that a Christian must first take a firm stand against the wiles of the devil. So we've talked about it in church many times. When the devil attacks, you go to the front door, you open the door, and you say, Devil, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you and I cast you from my home. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. That's taking a firm stand. As a general biblical principle, one never finds an instance where the believer is commanded to attack the devil. In James 4 and 7, bears that the Christian is to resist the devil. Can't stand toe-to-toe. -to -toe. You resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What did I just say? Go to the front door, cast that devil out. You resist the devil. But within the first aspects of this particular verse, a stipulation exists for one to effectively resist the devil and to have him flee from you. That stipulation is to submit yourself unto God. See, God was will set himself in, a, in, in array against the evil works of the enemy. If mankind is double-minded, James 1 and 8, then he will never efficiently eliminate the influences of the evil from his life. 110% dedication is a necessity uh, or a ne necessary trait to be effective for God. Now I want to look for a moment at this thing called the devil, Satan, Lucifer, the serpent. Many people do not want to rely, don't really want to believe that there is such a being who is controlling the evil passions of mankind. Many want to dismiss the devil as a man who wears a red suit, has a tail, carries a pitchfork, and has horns.
<coughs> excuse me yet throughout the word of god the devil has been identified numerous times and the following verses re uh, reference will bear out the existence of the devil and how it described him so let's go to isaiah 14 isaiah 14 9 through 23 ezekiel 28 11 through 19 lucifer the greatest angel the anointed cherub and one who who, who sparkled with all the jewels of heaven that's how lucifer was explained in revelations 12 verse 3 through 9 revelations 12 3 through 9 that great dragon that fell from heaven that great red dragon his pride swept him out he took one-third of all the angels with him when he fell so history my friends history bears out the presence of lucifer the presence of satan the presence of the devil if you will how whatever, however you want to call it and many examples in the new testament bring about the evidence of his presence these examples are especially noted when we come into contact with jesus or the great saints of the new testament and the following verse reference should be noted matthew 4 1 through 11 mark 1 verse 12 through 13 luke chapter 4 1 through 13 the period of temptation after Jesus has fasted for 40 days. In John 12, 30 and 32, John 14, verse 20, and John 16, 11, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. John. Jesus spoke of him, and the apostles also believed in the devil. Paul, Peter, James, all make mention of the devil in their uh, epistles. So where did he get his names, the names of the devil? In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, he's called a temper, the tempter. Matthew 4, 1 through 11, he's called a tempter. The perverter of God's word. The perverter of God's word in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. The opposer of God, or the opposer of God's work, is in, in uh, Zechariah chapter 3, 1 and 2. The hinderer of God's servant, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18. A hinder of the spread of the gospel, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2 and 4. I'm going to read these off, and then what I want you to do is go to your, your um, index in the back and look up names of the devil. The one who desires all nations, the angel of light, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen. The one who is, is in battle with Michael, the archangel, Jude chapter 9. A bearer of sin into the world, Genesis 3, 1 through 7. The whole world lies in his lap, 1 John chapter 5, 19. Anointed cherub, Ezekiel 28, 11, 12. The prince of this world, John 16 and 11. The prince of the power of the air, Ephesians 2 and 2. The God of this age, and it's a little g. The God of this age is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. The prince of demons, Luke chapter 11, verse 15. And that old serpent in Revelations 12 and 9. And you can look that into a, a Greek study, and it's very interesting to study that um, if you want to look that up. So, again, we're reading about the devil, so let's read about what it says about God. 
God, our strength, in Ezekiel 15, 2, 2 Samuel 22, 33, Psalms 28, 8, 46 and 1, 73, 26, these are all Psalms, 81, 1, 84, 5, and 89, 21. That's, that's, that's the power of God. That's his strength that he gives unto us. Okay, so if God is our strength, let's look at what those, what are the characteristics of God's power? Okay, number one, God has the power to save in Isaiah 63, verse 1. Isaiah 63, verse 1. Who is this that cometh from Edom with dyed garments from Bozrah? This that is the clear, glorious in his apparel, traveling in the greatness of his strength. I that speak in righteousness, mighty to save. Secondly, he has the power to pardon. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 6, but that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go unto thy house. Thirdly, he has the power that is infinite. Matthew 28, verse 18. Matthew 28, verse 18. And Jesus came and he spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. You can see that also in Mark 8 and 25, John 10 and 18, 17 and 2, and Acts chapter 10, verse 38, and Revelations 9 and 11. So we see that all power is given to God, a supernatural power. But I want you to see what it says in Ephesians 6, 11 and 12 about this great battle. You see, the devil has always been with us from the beginning of paradise. In that opening segment of our Bible, there is a command from God to Adam and Eve to keep the garden. To keep the garden, Genesis 2 and 15. And what was Adam to keep from the garden? The influences of the devil. The devil continues to work today much in the same manner as he did when Adam and Eve fell. Today, he works overtime uh, and overtly the doctrines of the devil and covertly seducing spirits. According to what Paul wrote in, in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, every Christian must understand that he is or she is given in a fight with their soul. You're in a fight for your soul, your very soul, the devil wants. And the closer end times get, as we proceed through the end times, I need you to understand the devil, even though you may be saved, the devil wants you. He wants your soul. He'll go through your children. He'll go through your family. He'll go through your friends. He will do whatever he has to do financially, maritally, whatever he has to do. You must be strong in the Lord. Say it with me. You must be strong in the Lord. You want your marriage to be a success? You want your marriage to hold out through all of this? Invite Jesus Christ into your marriage. Be in church. If you can't get to church, listen to a podcast, a broadcast. But be strong in the Lord. The, today he works all the time, 24-7. And we must understand that. Without prayerful dedication and diligent Christian living, mankind does not stand a chance. 
now I want to describe this battle the battle in Ephesians 6 11 and 12 that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil for we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against principalities against powers against the rulers of darkness of this world against the darkest darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places you must put on the full armor of God thereby becoming in the Holy Spirit anointed by the Spirit becoming supernatural with the Spirit of God so Paul now begins to elaborate on exactly how the manner and nature of this battle that the Christian is involved in is displayed to assist us in this section of the Bible study it's beneficial to look specifically at one word the word wiles w-i-l-e-s wiles is translated in the Greek as methodia m-e-t-h-o-d-i-a methodia this word methodia is the same word that is used in Ephesians 4 and 14 and there is rendered by the translators as cunning craftiness it is by cunning craftiness or wiles by which Satan lies in wait to deceive the true believer <coughs> now this particular word could also be translated as scheming to use first John chapter 4 verse 4 and 6 ye are of God say it with me ye are of God little children and have overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world somebody should lift your hands to heaven and shout amen glory to God that's true greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world say it with me greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world that ought to scare the devil we are of God and the person that knoweth God heareth us he that is not of God heareth not us hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error but the devil has limited power in the in the uh, afflictions of saints he has very limited power job chapter 1 verse 12 and the lord said unto satan behold all that ye have is in thy power only upon himself put not forth thine hand so satan went forth from the presence of the lord maybe overcome by grace in luke chapter 10 verse 19 Behold, I give unto you power. Say it with me. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Glory to God. I mean, that should be that should be uh, that should be placed upon our heart and our very soul. God gives us the power to tread upon serpents and scorpions what is he he's talking about demons and over all the power of the enemy over the power of the devil and nothing shall in any means hurt you now i know there's some of you out there that are just tired you're tired of uh, of trying to make it in this world all alone finances are gone your spirit is gone your enthusiasm is is at rock bottom your self-esteem has gone below rock bottom but listen to what it says in Luke chapter 10 verse 19 behold I give you 
power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Put on the armor of God, saints of God. Put it on from head to toe. Shod thy feet. And know that the supernatural power of, a, of, a, of, a, of God is there with you. Through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, through the blood of Christ, and through the grace of God, ye are saved. In Romans 16, 20, 16, 20, Romans, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen and amen. So he has a limit to the amount of temptation he can give you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, <clears throat> forgive me, verse 13, there hath no temptation taken you, <clears throat> but such as is common to mankind. Now I'm paraphrasing. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. In other words, God will give you no more than what you can take. And the devil knows when he's defeated. In James chapter 4, verse 7, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. James 4 and 7. Submit. There's the word. Submit yourself, therefore, unto God. God is love. And God loves you. And God wants to provide for you the full armor of God. So that when those darts, fiery darts, are, are thrown at you, you can just reflect them through the power of Almighty God. In Revelations 12 and 12, and I'm going to close with this. He says, therefore, rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. <coughs> Excuse me. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the seal, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. He hath but a short time. The devil is full of cunningness. He can defraud. He's deceitful. And he equips his saints. Paul was accusing the false teachers, whom he had referred to earlier as grievous wolves, in acts of using some same techniques and craftiness that the serpent used to beguile Eve. When this word is used in New Testament, it is specific context. It has a reference to the method of the serpent in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, 4 and 2, 12 and 16, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19. And again in Job 5.12 and Luke 20 and 23, the English language has gained its word method from the Greek word methodia. And that was what the deception was that Israel went through. God's own chosen people. So in closing, I said that once already. <laughs> Israel, God's chosen people have, have proven that the devil is quite able to deceive many. As a whole, this nation has been uh, deceived three specific times by the devil. One of the main reasons for this was because of their lack of the dedication to the one true God. 
In the Old Testament, this chosen nation was deceived by the devil into the worship of idols. They in, uh, entertained Baal, Ashtaroth, a golden calf, a brazen serpent, Molech, and the host of others. In the New Testament, this nation again did not recognize the appearance of the Messiah, even though they were steeped in their own religious rituals and knew that the law of the prophets very well. And in the future, again, listen carefully. In the future, again, this nation will be deceived by the Antichrist, who will appear and look like their Messiah, who they missed 2,000 years ago. And with these three examples coming from the past, present, and future, one is aware that the enemy of our soul is wise at sidetracking mankind towards spiritual derailment. One of the best ways to deter the devil is to constantly maintain an authentic relationship, a personal relationship with God, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and carrying the Spirit of God through the Holy Ghost in your soul, an inherent understanding of his word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. No man, no woman will fall to a counterfeit if they uh, acquainted with the real thing. If you know God, if you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you will not be guiled by the devil because you have the full armor of God and can withstand the wiles of the devil. So we're going to close for today because I'm going hoarse <laughs> again. And we will get back on this track this Sunday. Now, this is a long study. Um, we're probably looking at probably eight to ten weeks. So this is a long study. Please let me know what you think, if this is actually what you wanted or, or you prefer the sermons. Um, but um, when we get a request, we want to fill that, that request. And the request was a study in the word in the book of Ephesians. So with that, I pray thee, Lord God, in the name of Jesus, that all that listen to this podcast would put on the whole armor of God, the whole armor of God, that they may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Therefore, Lord God, we take unto ourselves the whole armor of God, that we may be able to withstand in that evil day. And having done all, we will stand. We stand, therefore, having our loins girded about with truth, your word, your word, God, which is truth, contains all the weapons of, my, uh, of our warfare, which are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of the devil's strongholds. We have on the breastplate of righteousness, which the, is faith and love. Our feet are now shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In Christ Jesus, we have peace and purpose of peace with all mankind. We minister of reconciliation, proclaiming the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We take upon ourselves the shield of faith, 
wherewith we are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and the helmet of salvation holding the thoughts, feelings, and purposes of God in our heart and in our soul. And we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, in the face of all trials, all tests, all temptations, and all tribulations. We cut to pieces the snare that the enemy, by speaking the word of Almighty God, for greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Thank you, Lord God, for the armor that you have provided us, that we may stand firm in your word. And we ask these things today in Jesus' mighty name. I pray for your healing, whether it be financial, marital, uh, physical, your health. I pray for each and every one of you that listen to this broadcast. Now, may the Lord bless you and keep you till he brings us back again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.